Hello and welcome everyone to the GR8 Financial Sense. That's the Great Financial Sense podcast. We are here in the wonderful city of Grand Rapids, hence the name GR, and you get the point. Eight topics, we're going to cover one minute per topic, so eight minutes maximum is how long this podcast will be. We welcome your thoughts, feedback, questions, things you want covered. Please give us your feedback just by responding to the email that this podcast was delivered in. So my name is Ryan Sheffer, and I'm here with my colleague, James Walsh. Hey, how are you doing this morning? Yeah, so let's get started. James, what do you think? Hey, let's start with the first topic, Ryan. All right. So on everyone's mind right now, what's the market doing? What's the update? Well, hey, I think both you and I, uh, we're kind of a captive audience when it comes to the market. We watch it every single day. That's right. So uh, this is kind of an easy one. Um, the market is is trending in a, in a positive fashion, obviously, for the year. It's kind of crazy to think just given all we've been through in the year. I think that what it, uh, what it really shows is the resilience of the market. And certainly where we're at right now speaks to that resilience as we're coming into this presidential election. And I know we've got some of those uh, bullet points later on. But still, when you're, when you're confronted with an uncertain environment, you might expect to see a little bit more volatility in the market. But you know, right now as we sit, we've closed out the third quarter of the year. And I think we got a lot of that volatility in that third quarter. Remember, and you, you and I were talking about it. I mean, the stock market through the month of September was very choppy. In fact, we had a genuine correction in the S&P 500. And I think that that knocked a lot of the uncertainty off the uh, the edge there. Yeah, so I think that, uh, you know, leading up, we might we might have some smooth sailing, assuming that things go smoothly. We have an election coming. Well, right? I do understand that. And yes, and it might be a contested election. It might be contested. We have another election. We do have the election on its way. And uh, that brings us to our next topic. Markets during elections. Yeah. So those look right. And I think that, uh, you know, there's a lot of studies that kind of go back and, and study just that markets leading up to elections and after elections. And I know you and I both have looked at those. Um, I think that one thing we could both agree on is that, you know, leading up to the election is where you get the volatility. Right. Right. And so leading up to that election, I mean, right now, this is when we are going to see the pushing and pulling. But, you know, it's interesting because it's the market downturn or the big market crash that everybody saw coming that never does come. So what you were expecting, you can kind of, you know, bank on the the contrarian approach, which is going to be, that's probably the crowded trade. You know, take the other end of that. So I'm not saying that you recklessly, you know, barrel towards an uncertain event without managing risk. But, you know, it is, uh, just look at VIX futures, the fear indicator. You know, everybody's expecting a lot of volatility. And we're prepared for that, but it may never come. And we also plan for it, right? Right, exactly. But you know what, what? What's the old saying? Prepare for the worst and hope for the best. I think that that really resonates with what we're doing in client portfolios right now. We have the election. It's happened. How does the market actually look after elections? Yeah. Well, the beauty of after elections is that that big uncertainty in the room all of a sudden burns off. Because now you know who you've got. The rules. There you go. Exactly. So you can you can kind of tailor the portfolio to that administration. Now, the beauty of it is, I mean, I, I've studied the capital markets for many, many years, as you have as well. I, I think that we can both agree that, you know, the, the U.S. stock market, I don't want to say it's the only game in town. But when you look at global wealth, it is probably, it is the biggest game in town. 
and it's the, the really there aren't enough bank accounts there are not there's not enough land there's not enough gold in the world to keep assets you know in a placeholder so you have to use the u.s stock market and then so the big question just becomes what stocks are we buying that's going to look different per administration once you know the rules the goal is that's exactly right. That's exactly right. So again, uh, after the election, it's a wonderful thing because you're able to then see that, uh, you know, what we're dealing with. Right. Something I've heard a lot from clients is what if we have a contested election? That's, now that's turned into the new catchphrase. You right. see it everyone on the internet. Um, have we ever had one before? Yeah. Have we ever experienced what the market might do during that? Sure. Yeah. So uh, I think you got to go back to the Bush Gore Remember the hanging chads? You ever knew something was called a chad out there? Yeah. So, and and guess what? The market did uh, react to that. You know, it's this, it's this idea. Look at the market hates uncertainty more than anything else. So if you if that uncertainty is prolonged, the market's gonna you know stomp its feet and hold its breath and say, get this figured out. And so that could be something where you hit a bit of an air pocket. And, uh, you know, just like uh, you expect a smooth flight down to Florida uh, and a pilot comes on and says, hey, we've got some turbulence ahead. I mean, that's the type of thing you have to brace for with that contested event. And I think that just the narrative around this election, we can assume that this is a real possibility. And that is why we can't take, you know, a lack of volatility right now granted. I mean, we do need to be prepared. So it doesn't really change the fundamentals of a portfolio right. strategy moving through it. There you go. We're very aware of it. Right. Exactly. It's just yet again, a prolonged uncertainty. When we look at election before and after we look at contested elections, you know, what about now the elections happened? We know who the president is going to be. We know how Congress sits until the next round. You know, does that affect how markets work, how they swing, is there more or less volatility? I, I think that certainly the election outcome will have a correlation to our economic utility. And when I say that, what I'm getting at is just, look, at we need government to work, have those levers to pull, can you know move the economy along in the most prudent fashion. So if you've got a lot of just inefficiency in government, you're not going to get um, to those levers to pull it at the right times in the right places. And so that's where you see um, like a sweep on either side of the aisle would actually benefit the stock market looking back in history better going forward versus something where, you know, a Senate stays certain, um, you know, Republican, and then you've got the House as Democrat and then the presidential nothing seat. Works together. Nothing works together. Nothing flows. And really, that's what you're hoping for is, is a fluidness um, government. And let's face it, government is never pretty. So uh, we want it as efficient as we can be. There you go. That's all we can hope for. We've gone through um, our topics now, and we haven't even discussed the biggest one of 2020. Um, I see a lot of Halloween signs on yards in my neighborhood that it's not a skeleton. It's not a ghost. It's the date 2020. Yeah. So the elephant in the room is COVID. Yeah. You know, how is that affected? How do we kind of look at it going forward? Um, you know, how do we think of that? Right. Yeah. COVID, COVID is a big, big, big topic. And you know, as we just discussed all of these five topics without touching COVID, recognize that there's an underlying 
feeling for each one of these topics that we've touched on, it is COVID. And, and it overlays and it, and it changes dynamics. Obviously, COVID, we don't have our arms around fully. In fact, as we enter the cooler months, um, you know, for much of the U.S. and much of the world, uh, there's a big concern there. We're going to have a second outbreak. Um, we're seeing cases spike, but that could simply be a mechanism of better testing or, um, you know, more testing that is available. And so I think that that could speak to why we're seeing these large increases in cases, because then you look at, you know, hospitalizations and death rates, and you're seeing some positive things on that front. But let's face it, we are nowhere, past, nowhere near past the COVID virus outbreak. And until we get a vaccine, until we get uh, the proper therapeutics, there are areas of the market we don't want to touch. There's too much risk there. And I think a key word, a key phrase we've heard coming out of COVID that's not actually health-related but market-related is a K-recovery. A lot of my clients have asked what a K-recovery is. Right, right. Um, want to go into a little bit of what that is? Maybe describe it for those that don't know what it is? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, you obviously have been doing that uh, as well as myself with when we're meeting with clients. And the K-recovery is it's, it's a simple concept when you think about it. You look at the letter K. And you've got the, you know, the backbone of the K, but then you've got two um, opposite lines that kind of leave at a trajectory that, uh, that makes the letter K. And that upper line is going to be the haves, and that lower line is going to be the have-nots. And one of the issues that I think society sees today is when we're stimulating the economy in the, in the way that we are, really is driving that upper, the haves, the upper part of the K. It's really benefiting them and those on the lower end of the K, those who are working hourly jobs, maybe don't even have a 401k to save in, they end up being kind of left behind. There you go. But here's the deal. They're both taxpayers. They're both kind of on the hook for this stimulus, but it's really benefiting, in theory, one section or one demographic more than the other. And that would be a problem. You know, the goal would be to have a V-shaped recovery that benefits everyone. Now, looking at last seven topics, kind of looking forward, you know, what's our forward view next month, next few months through the election? We'll be back with you with another one of these. So, so James, are you asking me to look in a crystal ball of sorts? Yes, and I'm keeping track. <laughs> oh, geez, OP. Right. This is being recorded. And you all can keep track as well. Uh, you know, it's so hard to tell just because there's so many things up in the air. But let's look at what we do know. And we could get lost in, in all of these headlines that are, are politically charged and things and really try and guzzy up our uh, our thoughts and our approach. But I don't think we need to do that. I think we need to look, historically speaking, what do these environments yield? You know, I'm happy to report that we might be setting up for a pretty prosperous environment after we get past this big uncertainty that is the election, but also the virus. Okay, but then let's take a take inventory here. Low interest rates, the Warren Buffett said it best. I'm not going to take credit for this. Is Warren Buffett. Interest rates work like gravity to the stock market. Interest rates are low. Gravity is low. Things can move higher, easier. So that's a huge thing we've got. Tremendous amount, unprecedented levels of stimulus. Two times what we saw in the GFC, the great financial crisis. That Those dollars are coursing through the capital markets right now. And your portfolio acts like a big magnet for those. Um, you know, we have uh, a... a commitment as a nation to continue to work with our people to make sure that this economy stays on track. And that commitment is huge. We've learned lessons from past recessions that I think are really dr a driving force behind the proper accommodation here. 
So I guess what I would say is we have to be brave in this environment and, and trust the quality of investments that we know are working for us. And that's the beauty because the forward view could look extremely prosperous. Could look great. Could look great. Could look great. And we're going to work towards that, right? Yeah. Well, it's been great sitting with you today. Yeah. It's been great starting this. And you know it. You look forward to the next one. And and everyone listening today, please, please, please let us know your thoughts and feedback. This is a podcast for you, and we just want this to be so beneficial. And again, time is your most valuable asset, and we appreciate you spending some of it with us today.